Hello and welcome to episode one of season one of Only Fools and Racehorses. In this episode, I'm going to discuss how I started out in industry, a little bit of background and, and where it all began, really. So um, let's get on with it. I started off like many horse mad teenagers. Uh, I started off in a riding school. I desperately wanted a horse, but I wasn't allowed one. And so um, as I was going through my options for A-levels, I was trying to decide on a career and horses pretty much were still there. Um, originally, I was actually a musician. I played um, piano and flute to a really high level, but um, I also liked the horses. And at some point it came that I had to make a choice because when you're having lots of lessons and lots of different things, it gets expensive. And also I didn't just have the time and I decided that horses would make me more money than music, um, which, yeah, that's kind of, that's a big, big deal to make as a 16-year-old. But, um, yeah, I've been advised that horses would probably make me slightly more than being a musician. And I wasn't quite good enough to be a very good musician. So there we go. Horses it was. Um, this then led me to have a few chats with a few people. And um, where I came from, which is Warwickshire, um, there wasn't really any racehorses. It was all show jumpers, which, um, yeah, that's that's another very interesting place to be in. So the um, Rhine school that I worked in was also a bit of a dealer's yard and a lot of the instructors did show jumps. So I had a good handle on what there was available in the um, equestrian world as far as jobs were concerned. Um, I have to say, I went to quite a posh school and they were not massively keen on the whole horsiness. Um, they were happy when we were winning stuff for them, but they didn't want that on their little record that Rhea went off to study horses. Um, so they didn't offer much help. But thankfully, I had a few good friends and trainers that I'd met through horses, and um, one in particular, Fiona, she said that if I wanted to work with horses, I should look at um, more the rehab and uh, physio side of things. She was actually a physio, um, a dog physio, um, and she also did horses. She did my horse. And um, she said racehorses were where the money was at. Um, and she had been a point-to-pointer and she'd have entered to a high level. So I took her advice and started looking into it. And I soon realised that... Um, there was quite a lot of money in, in working with racehorses. Um, just for those that don't know, when you work with riding horses, show jumpers, dressage horses, just normal bog standard horses as such, the money is so, so bad. Um, considering the amounts of money that these horses are worth, it's shocking how much people expect you to be paid to look after them. Um, so at least in racing, there is a structure um, for people that work in racing, there is even a um, wage structure that's given to the trainers and they are meant to follow it, which most of them do. And there is progression. So um, in general, the the working ethic and the work pay for, for working with any sort of thoroughbred is, is so much better than your average riding horse. So I wanted to make, you know, an, a living. I didn't want to have to be relying on the bank of mum and dad for the rest of my life. So I looked at that. Um, so from there, I made my A-level choices. Um, I wasn't going to be clever enough to be a vet. 
Um, but I did do um, biology, obviously, and chemistry, which meant that I could get in to do a decent science degree. And I also studied history because I figured that being at uni, I'd have to do a lot of writing and I should learn how to write an essay. And I quite like history. Um, so that's what I did. And then obviously that led on to having to pick universities. Picking a university, that was a big deal. There was five that um, were really quite good in their own little way. So um, Morton Morrill was the one that was closest to me, the one I knew the best, but that would mean living at home. So I wasn't too keen on that. And also when we looked round where the horses lived, we didn't like that. And at that point I had my own horse, who uh, Murphy, who was my very, very good first horse. And yeah, we just didn't want to take him there. And I also wanted to leave home. Um, the next big one was Hartbury, which I'm sure many people have heard of. Hartbury is held up as being as one of the best horse-based universities to go to. Um, I went there for a weekend just to see what it was like. And um, I have to say, I, I just didn't think it was for me. Um, I came very much from a, a Rhine school background and I'd never been in Pony Club because at that point Pony Club didn't like people who didn't have their own horse. Um, there, it was it, it to me it just it wasn't for people like me sort of slightly you know not not really in the it crowd so um, yeah as much as the facilities were beautiful um, when I was talking through it with my um, my trainer she said you know the, the staff turnover there at the time was really quite high I don't know if this is the case now but when you're going to a university for three or four years, you want to at least hope that some of your tutors will remain throughout the whole course. Um, and that was another thing that put me off. And I just thought, no, it, it wasn't for me. Um, we also looked at Nottingham Trent um, at this point, because that's quite close to Southern Racecourse. So there was a little bit of a racing thing there. There was quite a lot of work they were doing, rehab, and it was quite nice. It was far enough from home that I could I could leave, so that was that was okay. Um, but um, I think the big thing there when I went to look round was it was the first place that when we looked at the um, student accommodation, they had locks on the cupboards in the kitchen. Um, as I obviously went to university, I found out why they did that. But it was something that really struck us because we hadn't seen it anywhere else. You know, there was even a lock on the fridge and. Oh, that just yeah that really scared me um the next in line which actually was ended up being my second choice on my UCAS was Rittle Rittle um is a really really nice college in Essex and um yeah we really liked them they had sort of very forward thinking sort of ethos and um it, it just seemed like a nice place it's really funny right now I can't remember quite why that was our second choice over Nottingham Trent um, it probably came down to the accommodation. And then we come on to Oxford Brooks, which is where I ended up. And um, the biggest pro for Oxford Brooks was, A, it actually ran a specific course that um, had an element of thoroughbred management in it. Um, and also it was a proper university. So a science degree from there, I felt would be worth something, you know, even if I didn't end up working with horses, which... I think anyone who's starting out should try and make sure that their skills are as transferable as, as possible. And it's funny that all those years ago we were we were actually thinking about it then. Um, 
and obviously, yeah, a proper university with a very, very good equine college attached to it. Um, they did things like sales in the past. They'd held permits. Um, so they actually trained their own racehorses, um, which was really, really, really attractive. Look round and, and yeah, that was our, our choice. Um, so I actually applied to do the BSc Honours Degree in Equine Science with International Thoroughbred Management, which I felt covered a, a wide multitude of sins and, and might set me up for the future. So as you can imagine, I, I passed my A-levels just about. And there I was, um, I passed my A-levels um, just about. And then I headed off to Oxford Bricks and into the world of racing. Um, initially, it was not much racing at all. They're quite good in their first year. They they make you um, study with the normal students. So we did business with business students and science with science students. And then we did uh, one afternoon a week at the uh, at the uni stud. And that was definitely uh, education in itself. So when I went to the stud, uh, there was a new stud groom. Um, he was a South African chap. Um, he came with a bit of a reputation. Um, when the first, first couple of weeks we were there, the rumours were that he'd got one of the older um, students pregnant and he's known to be a bit of a lad and he definitely had very different ways that uh, certainly as uh, an innocent young uh, teenager from Warwickshire, it was, yeah, an education. Um, the Unistud had a wide range of, uh, of thoroughbreds. They had broodmares, they had their own stallion and then they had the followers or the foals and yearlings from the broodmares. When we started in, in October, they were just doing the final preparation for the big sales in Newmarket. They'd been really lucky that they pinhooked a foal that they bought at the sales the year before, and she got into book two. So when we got there, uh, we were introduced to the joys of yearling prep, which is something that would feature quite heavily in my career further on. Um, now in yearling prep, what they do is uh, on a sort of six weeks before the sales, some studs go longer, you start introducing the yearlings into um, how to be good racehorses. So you teach them to stand and be tied up and led about. And um, the biggest thing about uh, going to the yearling sales is that um, the viewers only see them in walk so the horses must have a good walk so you spend a lot of time teaching them to walk um these days um things are a bit different but back then we did all the walking in hand which actually is the best and only way you can do it you know the horse walkers really do not replace human beings when it comes around to this and uh one of my first memories of yearling prep was uh, walking around a field with a yearling um, so you're thinking something about 15-2 but with not many manners and they're either colts or fillies so they know what they want and um, the stud groom was in the middle and if you weren't walking fast enough he'd chase you with the long tom to make you walk on. This is all rather entertaining but obviously it taught you a good work ethic because you know you had to walk fast to get the job done. Um, and uh, yeah, the prep went along and that was quite good. And then um, it wasn't our day. It was, um, I think the HND students were doing it the one day when the, the good horse that we had um, was on exercise just before the sales and it got loose. 
and it did that thing that horses do where they panic and it ran through fences. Um, she tore her shoulder open and consequently that meant she was out for sale. So that was an early education in what horses really do and how that affects everyone. So that horse obviously didn't go to the sales, but she went to then a lesser sale later on. Um, we didn't go to the sales in the first year, not the big sales. Um, the horses made okay money. Um, the ones that we didn't sell, we then um, started to break in, and this was something that I'd never done before. Um, I have to say the characters at the college were rather entertaining. So you had the South African who was um, quite hands-on. Then you had the, the others. Um, one of the um, lecturers was called Tim. He was like a Weasley man who taught the NVQs and I wasn't a massive fan of his. And I had no experience of breaking in horses. So I didn't know what he was doing, whether it was right or wrong. Um, you know, we all just assume that what, what he, he said was gospel. Anyway, thinking about it later, it was completely wild. Um, so we started breaking in these yearlings. Um, obviously, they'd had quite a bit of handling already and they knew how to lunge. So we put tack on them. And um, bear in mind, we did this once a week. So other students were doing them other times. But um, for some reason, I was quite brave, which those who knew me before I went to uni wouldn't have thought I was as brave as I was and for that reason I was chosen to be the first one on one of the yearlings um a little horse who was uh he ended up being called um Bishop's Finger his mother was ca called um Bit of a Tart and she was she was lovely and he was lovely so I liked him we called him Noah and I was selected to be the first person on him and um we did this on the concrete in the middle of the barn outside his stable, which I can't even believe we did that. Like, I, I've i broken in many horses since and never, ever, ever would we get on a horse for the first time on concrete in a, an enclosed-ish area with a whole load of people stood around. But hey-ho, that's the sort of stuff we used to do back in the day. And of course, there was no body protectors because at that point, body protectors weren't even compulsory obviously I had a hat um, but I think about it now and so much could have gone wrong in that situation anyway so that horse got backed and then uh, we rode him away and then he went into training and he had quite a nice little career it was nice that further down the line I actually got to see him racing um, one day and he won a couple of times as well um, but yeah so I rapidly learned that um, the college stud was not quite all it was cracked up to being. Like a lot of things, you know, they've been very good at one point, but then they were just riding off that reputation. Um, but that said, it gave us opportunities to do stuff that we wouldn't normally been able to do. So, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't all bad, and I certainly learned a lot. And even though I didn't know much, I did learn. I could see that things were wrong or they were right quite quickly um yeah so that was it was definitely an education on that form so realizing that um maybe college wasn't going to give me quite the racehorse experience that I thought I was going to get I then started looking at um, ways I could get into racing which 
as someone who had no ties was really quite difficult. Um, but Horse and Hound had a, a little um, piece about encouraging university students into racing. And from this, um, there was actually a course that the BHA were going to start and they were just running the first round of applications for this. So myself and a fellow uh, colleague from university, Hannah, we both applied and um yeah that was it was an interesting wait and um miraculously um as these things seem to happen throughout my career i got selected for an interview so um yes i think that would be a good place to stop for today um i hope you found it quite interesting or very interesting i hope and um I'll go on to, uh, in our next episode, we're going to discuss the joys of racing school because that interview was successful and then where that led me down the very, very slippery path into racing. So I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know if you did. Please just, you know, give me um, a message on Facebook or uh, look me up on Instagram and see you for the next episode. Bye bye.